Good morning, everybody. I'm Vincenzo Calla, president of the Ontario High School Conservative Association, and I'm glad that you are able to join us today. Today, we are glad to have the MP for Calgary Midnapore joining us, Stephanie Cousy. Stephanie was first elected in 2017 with 77.2% of the vote in her riding. She was born and raised in the riding, and she went on to get a master's in business administration from Rutgers University. From 2006 to 2013, Stephanie served as a Canadian diplomat in Argentina, El Salvador, and in good old Dallas, Texas. In 2009, she also served as, as policy advisor to the Honorable Peter Kent, who we interviewed a couple weeks ago. And she is currently a part of the International Parliamentary Network for Education as a founding member. And she serves as the shadow minister for transport. So we thank you, Stephanie, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Vincenzo, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we are glad to have you here today. We've interviewed a lot of great MPs like yourself. You're our 20th interview uh, today. We've interviewed so many great people. Last week, we had Candace Bergen on, and next week, we'll have another great interview. But today, we have you joining us. So we like to start off every interview with our question and answer segment. And every single one of these questions comes from our high school members from across Ontario and across Canada. So question one comes from the OHSA team, and we ask, what have you learned from your years as a diplomat that helps you in politics? Well, that is a big question, Vincenzo. Um, I would say probably the greatest thing that I learned as a diplomat, uh, which has carried me into my work as a member of parliament is, I'd say humility, because in the Canadian Foreign Service, you're really taught that, um, you are an entity, you are an intermediary between Canada and whatever nation it is that you are serving in at the current time. And so it really is about uh, Canada, uh, the people of Canada, their interests, and your role serving them in whatever country it is that, that you are in. And this sort of carries over into my work as a member of parliament because um, you know, certainly in the House of Commons, I'm not referred to as Stephanie Cousy, I'm referred to as the member for Calgary Minnipore, because it, it's just a space that I'm holding. It's just a seat that I'm holding right now. There was someone before me and there will be someone after me. And so um, you learn to realize that it is not about you. It is about the role that you are performing and uh, it is an act of service uh, in which you are performing it. Well, that's exactly it. And as we've spoken with many people that are elected in provincial politics and federal politics and many who who want to become elected, many candidates who want to join you in the House of Commons, we talk and we always talk about how they are running for the job and the people of the riding get to hire you for the job if they like you. And obviously you were elected in 2017 in a by-election and you were re-elected in 2019. So people like you in Calgary, Midnapore. So, so that's basically it. Just remembering that you're in a position of public service and you work for the people of your riding and you represent their best needs in the House of Commons here in Ottawa. Yeah, well, I certainly hope that most of them like me, Vincenzo. I mean, everyone is not going to like you when you're an elected representative. 
Um, and I think a lot of people would say, oh, I hope they respect me. I don't even think it's so much um, that I hope they respect me. I think it's, I hope that they, well, first of all, can relate to me that when they look at me, they feel I am a good representation of the writing. Uh, I was very lucky to be born and raised in my writing. I went to elementary in my writing, junior high, high school. Uh, my church is in the writing, got married, got confirmed, had my family baptized in the writing. So um, for me, it really is just when I stand in the House of Commons to speak on their behalf, it's with complete confidence because I have known the people here for close to 50 years now. And so um, for me, it's, as I said, not everyone is going to like you, but if they, the majority of my constituents can look at me and look at me speaking in the House of Commons and be like, yes, she is speaking for me, then that's really what makes me feel good about um, my, the job that I am doing for my constituents and in the House. And that's exactly it. Like you said, and like I know, and like many people know, not everyone is going to like you. And that's why we have elections, because people get to choose the person that they most align themselves with and who they think will represent them best in the House of Commons. So that's why we have a great election system so that people get to choose you. So speaking of elections and opposition, you're in opposition, you're a shadow minister. Uh, before I ask this question from Evan, he wants me to let you know, he wants me to pass along this message to you. Evan is an aviation enthusiast, and he wants to thank you for fighting for everyone in the aviation community, as it is something really important to, important to them. And and to them, it's they feel it's really important to them and their country. So they, Evan wants to ask, if you were the Minister of Transport, what would you have done in order to support the airlines during this difficult time, as we know the current minister hasn't delivered? I mean, that's an incredible question. And uh, I would have done so much differently. I mean, the number one thing I would have done is I would have provided a comprehensive plan for the airline sector. And I've talked so much about it in the house, uh, Vincenzo, and that includes, um, they definitely needed uh, some sort of financial assistance much earlier and comprehensive for the entire sector. Because up to this point, it's been very piecemeal what the government has done. There's been like a little bit for airport authorities. Um, we've seen them do deals now with two airline characters, Air Canada. We found out the bad news about the executive compensation this week, and then Air Transat as well. But uh, and I'll also add a little bit of uh, regional route support, but really what they needed was just something so much more comprehensive so much earlier. So that would have included um, additional financial support so that they, there didn't have to be so many layoffs. I mean, just tens of thousands of workers lost their jobs. And many of these families had two airline industry workers within the, their family, leaving them with um, very little, no income or very limited income based upon a government program. I would have maintained regional routes uh, far better than this government did. We saw many communities completely isolated, left without service um, during this time. And just, I think, done a better job of uh, supporting Supporting, supporting workers all in all because just the it's incredible the outpouring of support that I've received from across the country of um, airline workers and and air industry workers that really felt 
um, just abandoned. And that's everything from flight attendants to pilots um, to maintenance. Uh, and I would also have done a better of job, excuse me, of supporting uh, NAV Canada as well. We saw a lot of difficult things like uh, tower reviews, the potential for closure. So I think that um, any type of action, a comprehensive plan, because this government really just kind of ignored the problem, hoping that it would go away with the uh, end of the pandemic. Um, and, and as well, that's what I'm pushing for now is a restart program, something to really allow for the, the restart of, of the industry. Um, but it provided a comprehensive plan that would have seen support for workers, restoration of regional routes, a better job of NAV Canada, and as well, better implementation of the tools that were available, such as rapid testing. I, I think that could have really saved a lot for the industry. Um, as well. So we never saw that plan. We saw bits and pieces here and there. And so essentially what we have is an aviation sector um, in, in tatters, and it will take years for it to rebuild in interim. Uh, we've lost competitive advantage. Um, we have uh, lost some, some good people going to other markets where the, where the air sector didn't close uh, as much. And we will also see Canadians pay for this in terms of um, prices because when the demand comes back, the supply won't be there as everything having been shut down. It's not like a switch that you could turn back on. So I would have provided a, a comprehensive plan and I would really lo look forward to seeing a restart plan at this point. Well, it really is concerning because like you said, this government could have done so much more and used so many more resources, like you said. And in our group, we actually have a couple aviation enthusiasts. It's quite a coincidence. We have Evan, like I said, and we also have Wesley, who's an aviation enthusiast uh, in Mississauga. And we see so many people that are, like you said, losing their jobs over something that probably could have been avoided and something that could have been fixed easier if the right if the right precautions and right measures were taken. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Uh, I think that they, as I said, I see a real piecemeal approach where they just, they were too late and the supports that they provided weren't enough. I really would have started from the top with an overview of a comprehensive plan, looking at each of the things that I've outlined. That, that hasn't been done to this day. And as I said, it is not only an industry, but Canadians that suffer and will suffer for it in the future as we go to uh, reopen our, our economy and our nation. Exactly. And our next question comes from Jack in Milton. And he asks, what is it about the Conservative Party that made you want to be a Conservative MP? And why should voters vote Conservative in the next election? Yeah, no, those are big questions, both of them. I would say the reason I became Conservative, or I am Conservative, um, you know, I was very fortunate to be raised in a family where we had a small business, and I saw the work and the effort that my parents put into the small business and how they contributed to our community and the strong community um, that I came from. I'd also say my faith um, plays a role in my conservative values um, as well. But if I had to single out um, one thing, it would be a belief in myself that I have, have um, trust in 
myself and in God and in life that I'm going to make the right choices for myself and for my family and for my community. And I really believe that when we believe in ourselves and have confidence in ourselves, then that allows us to trust others, um, which I think is an incredibly important. And I think what we see on the left um, is uh, people not having faith and confidence in other people or people relying on government um, to do things rather than taking um, the initiative to, 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 do, to do things themselves. And I, I think when we believe in ourselves, we can have trust and faith in others as well. And um, I, I just really believe in those things. And as for um, the the election, I I just look at this this government how they have failed so um, incredibly. And even prior to the pandemic, when I look at things like the Wee scandal, um, the the large number of ethics breaches that we've seen. Um, for me, it's very personal. I feel as though they have destroyed the natural resources sector here in Calgary. Uh, whereas I said I was I was born and raised, but when I look to the past, I see a government that is incompetent and incapable of managing the nation um, to its best potential going forward into the future. And I believe that we, as the Conservative Party of Canada, can do that. That we have within us um, the confidence, the skills, um, the abilities to to uh, manage Canada's future. And that includes the economy, that includes uh, reopening, um, you know, that includes so many things. And a lot of that, again, goes back to having confidence in Canadians themselves that, you know, at some point, um, Canadians don't, don't want to be on these benefits forever. They want to work and they want to contribute to society. We saw the government recently announce their plans for national daycare. As, as a parent, I don't think parents want that. I think parents want the ability to make the best decisions themselves for their children and, and for their families. So I really believe that uh, a conservative choice in the next election is a vote for uh, competency and as well for confidence in the Canadian public that we have the ability as Canadians um, to chart our path forward together. And it doesn't have to be dictated by how the Liberal government has dictated it to us in the past by picking winners and losers in our industry, by trying to silence speech through C10, and by telling us how to how to have our families function um, with the national daycare. So I'm I'm really hopeful that that Canadians uh, will see uh, this this opportunity for change for themselves in in the future. Well, I think you made a lot of good points and a lot of good points. And I think right now, there's no better time for conservative government. Over the past almost six years of Justin Trudeau being our prime minister, we have seen problem after problem, whether they're official like ethics scandals, where there's these giant investigations or even just small little things that aren't so small that cause so much more troubles. Like we spoke with Candace Bergen about how we saw in the pandemic 
we couldn't even get through a pandemic without Trudeau having two massive failures, the Wii scandal and procuring vaccines. I mean, Canada, we're behind the U.S. I mean, the U.S., they're at playoff hockey with full, well, with almost full stadiums. And here in Canada, there's at the Bell Centre in Montreal, there was 2,500 people. Toronto at the, at the Leafs game, there was 500 people. And across Canada, there's barely the amount of people that can do what people just very close to Canada can do. I mean, I'm 45 minutes away in Ottawa. We're 45 minutes away from the U.S. border and 45 minutes away. People are living, most likely living pretty normal lives again after going through this pandemic for a year. And now Canada has, we're behind. And I think that a conservative government can fix that and can fix Canada and bring Canada back. So the last question sort of goes into what we were talking about the future. You were talking about the future of Canada and all that. So the OHSA team, we want to ask, what would you like to see for Canada's future? Yeah, well, I think two things stand out for me, uh, Vincenzo. One is a return to the economy firing on all cylinders. Um, as I alluded to previously, I really feel as though this government has picked winners and losers when it comes to the economy. And I am in the uh, in the center of one of the losers, the natural resources sector. Uh, but I just don't think that they have managed this economy, economy intelligently. I see this as the shadow minister for transport uh, with supply chains where the supply chains in Canada are not um, optimal, the different modes, um, marine and rail, uh, don't interact with each other. There's not good transparency of data. And Canadians, again, are the ones who suffer as a result of fewer goods and then inflation as a result of there being um, fewer goods. So it's very interesting when I go to the grocery store, I noticed one or two of my favorite items are are out and I really genuinely believe that it's a result of supply chain problems. So I definitely would like to see um, the economy optimized. And I, and I think there are other ways that this can be done in terms of um, workforce and trade, I think could be optimized as well. And then the other area, which I'm very passionate about given my background uh, as a diplomat, is our foreign policy under Justin Trudeau. We've really had no strategic coherent foreign policy. And it would be really nice to see a return to uh, a, a values-based based, excuse me, foreign policy where we truly stand up for human rights, the rule of law, uh, democracy. And I think once we start to do those things that we start to gain the respect of the international community back after six years under Justin Trudeau, and I think with that comes many more opportunities, both political and trade, which only benefit us um, internally. So I'm looking forward under a conservative government to a stronger Canada, both domestically within our borders, but also internationally in, in the world environment. Well, that's a really good response. I mean, Canada, like I mentioned before, under Justin Trudeau, we've really taken a hit on the world stage. I mean, that time that he went to India, people, <laughs> that was a massive failure. People in India are still mad about that to this day. And still, I mean, I guess we laugh about it, but it's no laughing matter. I mean, he's causing harm to our nation and our nation's national image. But 
I think that, like you said, global stage and talking about the economy, we need to get that going again. And I don't think that this government is going to be the right ones to get the economy going again. We just saw with the budget that it wasn't a very stable budget, like you were saying, national child care. Those are just money things that just make people that may want things like paid child care by the government, national child care, that just makes people want to vote just for what they can get, but they don't actually, it's not good for the economy and it's not good for the choice of every single Canadian because every single Canadian has a different view on how that they should live in Canada and how they should raise their families. And I think that's something really important to remember as we go to the polls soon, hopefully. Well, not hopefully, but probably. Probably. Yeah, no, and you're totally right, Vincenzo, is that um, I'm really counting on Canadians um, to be, you know, really smart about how they choose their future. Um, I think that, like, isn't there is some type of... Um, school experiment whereby like children are left with marshmallows and if they're left alone for five minutes and they, if they don't eat the marshmallow then they get another marshmallow and then they can eat two marshmallows and it's kind of like that because um i think the government the current government is is um really is do has done uh, a, a very good job of sort of signaling that they are that they have Canadians backs it's it's and it's because of, of what they what they say and I think to a certain extent the mainstream media as well um, promotes this as well but I think if Canadians really take a look at their life and ask themselves am I better off um, today than I was uh, five years ago. When I look at my future, do I see the ability to have a house? Probably not. Do I see the ability to have um, meaningful, um, well-paid employment uh, sort of beyond the, the gig economy or, and, so, and some people love the gig economy and are, are meant for that, um, but you know, meaningful employment. Am I, am I able to have a family uh, with with what they are putting into place, and um, I I just think those are are they are they're, they're questions that require a lot of thought and a lot of um, a, awareness as to our future because I really think that this government is very good at um, almost tricking Canadians into thinking that we are living in um, a robust, uh, democratic um, society of liberty and choice and prosperity. And that is not the case. That is not the case. We have the opportunity to have so much more, to do so much more, to be so much more um, as Canadians, as Canadian families. And I really hope that Canadians will consider that as we as we go to the polls, um, that these so much more is possible than what exists right right now. And I really hope that they consider that and open themselves up to the possibility of, of what could be. And you made an excellent example of the vaccine procurement. Um, just what a debacle this has been. And I said in the House of Commons last week, I want Canadians to think about what did I miss out on this winter or spring as a result of no vaccine 
no accurate vaccine procurement. Did someone around me pass away? Did I have a surgery that was denied? Did I have to uh, quit my hockey beer league? My, my son didn't get to play in his hockey league, which brings him so much camaraderie and, and uh, health benefit. And so I really think that Canadians need to take, uh, take this time, think about what they've missed on, think about the possibility, what could have been with a good vaccine procurement strategy and apply that to their future because they're really not that dissimilar. That's exactly it. And think about, also to add on what you said, think about what we'll be missing out this summer. I mean, we're entering summer now and the Americans, it'll be for their 4th of July celebrations. I'm sure it'll be pretty much back to normal. Everybody's going to have 4th of July celebrations. And in, Can and in Canada, a couple of days before that, Canada, uh, Canada Day on July 1st, are we having the big celebrations on Parliament like usual? No. Are we going to have our local community festivals and carnivals and all that? No. And that's because of this failed vaccine procurement, which is unstable and not reliable. And I'm sure we're all going to get one soon. I mean, I've well, at the time of this filming, I'm going to be getting it soon, but I will have got it before at the time of this premiere. But it's very concerning that it's June and just now a lot of people are just starting to get their shots. It's very concerning when down south there, anybody who wants a vaccine probably already got first and second dose by now. So it's very concerning. So our last segment is called Advice for the Next Generation, where we speak of young conservatives and how they can get more involved. So we ask this one question to every single guest that comes on our show. So we ask, what should young high school conservatives do in order to get politically active? And what is one piece of advice you would give them? Yeah, well, to get politically active, I think that uh, you can always contact your local electoral district association and um, serve as a youth me member. And if there is not a youth member or a youth chair, approach the president of the association and say you are willing to be that youth member or that youth chair for youth initiatives uh, for young conservatives within the riding. And I definitely would encourage all watchers and listeners um, to get involved in the next election to go and help your local conservative candidate in an effort to get elected because you will learn so much by spending time with that candidate, by spending time with that team and by talking to people in your community in masks at a distance, most probably. Um, but nonetheless, you will gain that incredible experience. And the advice um, that I that I give people, I pretty much give the same advice um, all the time, and that is just to have faith in life. You are exactly where you are meant to be right now. The, the right doors will open, the right paths um, will show themselves. Trust your intuition to follow them, always be kind, always be in service, um, but have faith in life because you you truly are special. You are here uh, for a reason. You have purpose and trust in life to show you all of that. Well, that's a great note to end on. I mean, it's been a great conversation today and we thank you. And like we talk with so many other people and like I give advice and people give advice all the time, there are so many chances and opportunities to get involved. Like you said, there's going to be an election in the coming 
time. I don't know how long it'll be before we get to that election, but it will happen and it's inevitable. There's going to be elections in Canada all the time. Get involved there in your provincial elections here in Ontario. We have a provincial election next year. There's also lots of municipal elections next year as well. Uh, Get involved in so many campaigns. Reach out to your candidate, reach out to your MP and just see what they can tell you and see what advice they have to offer to you and what you can do to get involved in your community. So we thank you, Stephanie, for joining us today. We really appreciate you being with us and we thank you and we wish you well in everything that you do in the future and future elections, future campaigns and in the House of Commons. So we thank you, that is it. We hope you enjoyed today's interview. You can look for more interviews coming soon. Make sure to follow our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok accounts at Ontario HS Cons. Uh, to for more interview uh, for more info about our next interview and for more great content make sure to look at our website at ontariohsconservatives.org in order to learn more about us to see our projects and for more great content and make sure to like this video subscribe to our channel and click the notification bell so you never miss another video and we thank you for coming and we hope to see you all soon